0: Father, we thank you so much uh, for this day today. I thank you that you get to be with us, to transform us. We thank you that your spirit uh, is here with us, that you have sent your spirit, God, to empower us to walk out this life that you have called us to live. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we read your word, uh, that you would be with us, that you would open up our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to Zion. Good to have you with us. My name is Justin. I am the pastor here uh, and would love for you, if you're watching online with us, just to uh, give a shout out, say hello, give a wave. Uh, we would love to connect with you uh, and say hello. Um, we are uh, this week in a part two of something I talked about last week, which was uh, just this mini series before we get into our longer series. If you're here last week, uh, you heard about it, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, highly suggest after this one, go back, listen to last week's. These are kind of married together. Uh, It's hard to go through one without really understanding the other. So I I want to advise you to go look at last week's. I think it would be really helpful. Um, But last week we talked about generational curses breaking the curse. This week we are talking about forming new habits, uh, and this is all a lead in to our next series, uh, which is I'll get into a little bit later. Um, so, like I said, last week we covered generational curses and their misconceptions. I know uh, there was a lot to process for some of us in our church last week. I think that's great to process, sit down with the scripture, really search them out, search your heart, uh, and begin to go to God and um, allow him to do his work. Uh, we went over how Jesus took the curse from us and then invites us, he has invited us into a journey uh, to change our daily habits, to change our lifestyle. The Bible talks about this literally everywhere. Uh, Wherever you read in the New Testament about what the Christian walk looks like, it talks about this. And it talks about it in a lot of different terms and a lot of different phrases and sayings. They are all really saying the same thing in many different forms. Uh, and so I decided, since we anchored ourselves in Galatians last week, I figured I'll just stay with Galatians to continue with that train of thought this week uh, to help for some continuity. Um, uh, and last week, uh, Paul explains to the Galatian church, right, that that Jesus took the curse, and then after that, he goes deeper into. How we are all heirs of Abraham, and because of that, we walk in the promise of Abraham, and through that, we are now free from our sinful slavery. We have this newfound freedom in God where we are no longer slaves to sin. And then Paul gets to the point where he gives a big reveal How do I live a life worthy of the gospel? A life truly free. How is that possible for me and you to walk in this freedom that he talks about? Not just to declare it over our life or to sing about it or to hear about it. How do we actually walk this out on a regular basis? Now that I am free from the curse, from from death, from sin and the curse of sin and death, how does my life change? Well, Paul gives the simplest of answers. In Galatians chapter 5, he's winding down this letter to the Galatian church, and he's kind of giving them, this is the answer, this is what you need to do to, to do everything that we've talked about, to really walk out this life, to live in this freedom and the promise, this is, this is it. He says in Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 16, uh, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures in, in in the Bible, and I already hear everybody making fun of me because I say that all the time, but uh, I have a list of five scriptures that I try to read every single day. And these are scriptures that ground me to remind me of what I need to uh, do. Every day I wake up with a new set of issues, a new set of anxieties, a new set of stressors, and a new set of temptations. And there are several verses I read every day uh, to recenter my life, my mind on Christ and remind me of what is most important. This is one of those verses because of all of its implications. Uh, It is something that... I need to be reminded of daily and it helps me, the Spirit uses it on a regular basis to bring me back to God, to center myself on Christ. And so Paul kind of answers this question, how does your life change? How do you stop giving into the old nature that leads to death? His simple answer is walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, the desires that used to rule your life, right, these actions and these habits will no longer be the deciding factor in what you do. We have all uh, of these desires every single day that we walk, that, that we wake up with, that we want to do this, we want to do that, and it seems like if we conquered yesterday, we wake up with a, a fresh new uh, plate of desires put in front of us. Uh, And and Paul's answer how, how do we not give in? How do we not gratify these desires every single day? How do we stop saying yes to these wrong desires and say yes to Jesus on a regular basis? Well, that is walking by the Spirit, he says. Now, here's the real question what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does that mean? One other word that's used in translations that I think sheds a lot of great light on on this is instead of walk by the Spirit, it says live by the Spirit. The picture, I think, starts to get clearer. And as we go on, the picture is going to get more and more clear on what this means. What Paul is inviting people into was not a moment but a completely new lifestyle that was ruled, that is ruled by the Spirit. You know, and that's why, uh, you know, when we think of generational curses or we think a lot of of Christian walk, a lot of times we collapse everything into a momentary miracle, and we kind of live on these miracles, these different altar call experiences where it's like, I'm gonna, do terribly for six months or for a year, and if I get on a retreat, uh, if I get to an altar call, if someone prays over me in, in this way, if I break a generational curse, then I will have a momentary experience, a miracle, and that will fix my problem. The only moment uh, miracle that we are invited into, every single Christian is invited into, uh, is the moment that we get saved. There are obviously other miracles that happen. God heals and things like that. Uh, we believe in that. And, but the miracle of sanctification is not a moment. It is never described as a moment in scripture. It is always described as a life Experience. It is always described as a process. It is it is described as a marathon in scripture. There's a lot of different analogies given, but none of those analogies are ever momentary analogies. And we need to kind of walk away from this thought that all of a sudden I am just going to be this picture perfect Christian or whatever even that means. There's a lot of garbage that we'll talk about, or even what that means uh, to be this person. Uh, throw those away. Uh, and realize that God does not invite you into a moment of change. God invites you into a new lifestyle where change and transformation happens every single day so that in a year from now and five years from now and 10 years from now, you can look back and say, man, Lord, I am a different person. But it may be hard to point to exact moments of when that change happened because it was the things that happen every single day where the Spirit was working out its sanctification process in your heart. And so even though this is very simple, um, it's actually not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to jump into this new lifestyle. Uh, Paul paints a more clear picture in verse 17 as he continues with, what does this mean? What does, it, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? He says in verse 17, chapter five of Galatians, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I want us to continue to remember this truth. It's going to be uh, really important, but I think it's a foundational truth about God and about what he invites us into. It is simple truth, but it is very hard to do. I want you to remember that. This is a simple truth. It is simple to understand, walk by the spirit. This is a lifestyle we're being invited into, but it is very hard to do. This is a simple answer that is not easy to actually accomplish. And sometimes we equate simplicity with easiness, and that's actually not always the case. Simplicity does not always exclusively mean easy. And so in this case, the simple answer is not the easy answer. The simple answer is actually the hard answer that God invites us into this new lifestyle. See, what Paul's describing here is that the flesh or our desires are natural desires, the natural things that we want to do, the things that from birth we find ourselves doing, lying, stealing, cheating, all of these things. I mean, you, for those of you who, um, Remember your high school, your teenage years. Just think about all the crazy desires that you have. So much drama in high school. If you're in high school, I just don't worry. It will end at some point. There will be some balance to your hormones and to your life. You'll be able to grow up and and feel like you're not dealing with drama every five seconds. But for a lot of us, we can remember those times and think like, man, I just was full of so much, in Christian lingo, flesh. Full of so much impure desire And to even think about not fulfilling those things, it just seemed impossible. In fact, the world uh, labels human beings as animals and uh, calling us uh, having animal instincts because what that does then is it reshapes our mind from saying these aren't desires that we can say no to, these are desires that are so strong we just have to say yes to them. So the world's answer is, There is no answer. We are animals. These are our desires, and we are going to give in to our desires. And the faster you realize that we are all full of animal instinct, the more you will just accept your sinful nature. But God says, no, that is is the sin uh, that is part of our disconnected relationship with God. That is what has happened. And here is the answer for that desire. We are not just animals. We are different than the animals. We are made in the image of God. We bear the image of the one who created the heavens and the earth. And because of that, we are in a state where we don't just say yes to our desires. We don't just say yes to our innate uh, feelings, uh, wants, and, and uh, these cravings that we have on a regular basis. We are actually empowered to live a new life that can say no to these things, a new life that is simple but also very hard. Your old life, the sin nature, though it was crucified, as a Christian, what we believe is our old life. When we come to Jesus, this is what baptism symbolizes, that when we go into the water, we are being crucified with Jesus. We are going down into the pit with him. And then when we come up out of the water, it is our new life. We are resurrected with him. So your old life, we believe the sin nature, though it was crucified with Christ, will every day, it will try to resurrect. That is why Jesus says that we have to, when he describes discipleship in the gospels, he says, you have to take up your cross daily. He doesn't say you take up your cross once and you go to the cross and that's the end of it. No, he says we have to take up our cross daily. Jesus knew human nature. He knows what the process of regeneration looks like for us on this uh, side of heaven on and, and this part of the kingdom. This is not a once and done thing. And, and honestly, many of us have been lied to that it is a once and done thing. The truth of the matter is, is that this is a daily crucifixion. When you think about the crucifixion, uh, we're coming up on celebrating Good Friday soon. When you think about the crucifixion, that was a very painful process. It was not an easy thing, it was a very hard thing to do. In fact, it was so hard that it's the thing that Jesus asked the Father three times, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, take it away. But even though he asked that question, he still submits to it. Right, It is a very hard process, and so Jesus invites his disciples into this lifestyle where he says, every single day you will crucify your desires. You will crucify the flesh. You will take up your cross regularly every single day. This is not a once and rebuke and be done with it thing. That is not what Jesus is inviting into. This is a daily struggle that we are invited into. I want you to understand that difference that we are invited into a daily struggle. I think there is an important distinction to make here uh, that I think will help clarify a lot of this for for us. There are some things that over time, uh, a God will absolutely just take away from us uh, there and I will never deal with those things again so in the process of sanctification in the process of being with God on a regular basis my desires and my uh, my nature is changed to a point where there are things that I struggled with that are no longer something that really tempts me I am completely just free of those things something that I think of was I, I grew up incredibly insecure uh, you know I think it's funny now uh, you know you know Constantly, if anybody ever made fun of me, that's why I tell people: if you knew me before Christ, you would not recognize me, because if anybody had ever made fun of me um, before I really got serious and, and I believe really made a personal decision to follow Christ and kind of left my parental decision to make me follow Christ and and went to this personal one, uh, I was one of the most insecure people you'd ever meet, uh, and how that manifested itself was if anybody ever made a joke about me or or joked on me, then I would get in mad and incredibly defensive. Now, imagine growing up in New York City and being incredibly insecure about people that joke on you, right? Uh, that's not a fun experience. You are constantly, there. there's two ways that I had. I would uh, I, I got really good at snapping back at people. Uh, I actually prided myself in being able to verbally come back and take people down, right? So if you started something, like I was gonna make sure I finished it, but not only finished it, I was gonna make sure that you felt bad about yourself after. Or the other point was just like, we were gonna fight <laughs> at the end. Like there was, this was beyond words, and now it was a fighting matter. Uh, and my insecurity, constantly would manifest itself in, in being defensive and lashing out uh, at people. But uh, when I started to follow Christ seriously, this is one of the first things that God began to work on me. Uh, and it was a long process. And I, I'm really grateful to my uncle, uh, Uncle Lenny. He, he is passed away now a couple of years ago. Um, and another pastor, Pastor Brian. I was, I was living with my uncle at the time. He's pastor of a church, him and the executive pastor. He had noticed this trait in me because uh, Uncle Lenny grew up uh, in Flatbush. And so he, uh, even though he lived in Ohio at the point, he always made fun of everybody. That was something that he did. That was part of the Brooklyn nature in him. Uh, and so he would constantly make fun of me and I would just get so mad, but he's the pastor. I wasn't about to curse him out or fight him like I would do in high school. So I would just get really frustrated, but he saw something and he kept picking at it and picking at it and picking at it. And I remember one day I had enough and completely lashed out. And you know, this is something I had constantly been going to God about and, and working out with God for months. And he had been talking about to me for months and but Pastor Brian had been working for months and it kind of came to a head and he was like, Justin, uh, you know, th- there's, this is not good. This is a really bad part of your character. Um, and so after kind of months of praying through this, months of working on it, it there was there was a time where it was enough was enough. Uh, and through some more prayer, through God's spirit working in my heart, I'll never forget the time where I truly felt freedom from that, where I went from being an insecure teenager uh, to being a confident, adopted son of God. And that was a beautiful thing that happened in my life, and I don't struggle with that anymore. That was something that God changed uh, in me and completely freed me of. And uh, so there are some things in our life that God will just remove uh, he will he'll free from us, and there won't necessarily be a temptation towards those things anymore. Uh, you know, and when I think of temptation, it's like a, a desire to actually want to commit that sin, but not actually committing. When thoughts of insecurity come up, it's not really a temptation anymore. You know, like God has has freed me from that. Then there are other things uh, that I would say, combined with my genetic makeup and the environment around me, I will probably struggle with for the rest of my life. You know, I, I haven't lived my whole life yet, so I don't know. Um, but I know that who I am and, and how I've lived my life uh, uh, since I have been serious about following God, that this has been a temptation uh, from the beginning and will most likely be a temptation. Uh, till I die. And that is the temptation towards lust. Uh, you know, that has been, everybody that's been in this church long enough has knows I, I've been very open with that. You know, I was exposed to pornography at a very young age. Uh, that combined with like, I at some point like was seeking medical help. Like what, what is it uh, wired in my head that is so prone to this? And uh, there was really helpful understanding of like Justin like uh I I, I was sitting down with a psychologist and talking to my therapist um and just saying like you just have a lot of hormones man <laughs> you know and and that's uh that that's like there there's not something spiritually wrong with you. Uh there there are biological makeups. Um and there are biological things about me that make me more prone to certain temptations. And plus, you know, I live in New York City. New York, you know, walking around in New York City at any point uh, is not the easiest thing. Uh, and so there, there are things around me that the time that we live in, right? These are, these are things that make the temptation even higher, that, that make temptation all around you. Uh, and so realizing that, just because uh i'm b- like there there's some biology at work there's environment you know environment at work i think uh the the more psychological way of saying this is nature and versus nurture um is that doesn't give me the excuse to sin but it helps me realize that there is temptation and things that i am going to struggle with for the rest of my life and god will walk me through that for the rest of my life. God will be with me in that, and I can learn in my failure. I can learn uh, in being with him that what? He is faithful. He is faithful. He has been faithful in every single time I sinned in this area since the time I was very young. I, I, some of my first memories are memories of struggling with these temptations. That God has been faithful from the time I was just a little boy to this time now. That God has been faithful in my failures. God has been faithful throughout my entire life. And he has taught me in that process how to be more faithful towards him in the midst of my temptation. And what a beautiful thing that is to know that God is faithful to me and that he is teaching me and working in my heart so that I can be faithful Towards him, you know. For uh, when I think about my my struggle with insecurity, I I realized that God used my uncle, He used prayer, and He used uh, Pastor Brian. These kind of three things to really work this out, and. It no longer was a struggle anymore, but for my struggle with lust, uh, God has used a therapist. He's used my friends. He's used my accountability partner, and he's used scripture on a regular basis to make me walk well and to help me be faithful towards him. Uh, And we have to realize that, that, you know, a lot of times, uh, again, we, we are just looking, what is the out, you know? For instance, I think another thing uh, that I hear often is around depression. I know people that have struggled with depression and they are completely free from it. And that is like my insecurity is is not a temptation for them anymore. I also know people that have struggled with depression and they struggled with depression their entire life until the day that they died. And neither one of those people is more of a Christian than the other. So I, I want us to shed that falsehood there But what happened was uh, one person, yeah, they got free of it. The other person learned about God's faithfulness within their depression and learned how to be faithful to God when they were going through depression. And so there are all, God works on us all types of ways in different ways, and we can't look at one person, that's why comparison is just so unhealthy and so deadly to all of us because we are all so uniquely created. We have such unique lives and, and God has unique things for every single one of us and a unique way of working out our salvation in us that we can't compare because like I said, I know people that have been free of things and I know people that have struggled with things to the day they die, but both were faithful to Jesus in those struggles or in that freedom. I have known people that they have gone through some of the worst storms in their life. They have believed God, but they have been faithful to him through it all. The promise here is not perfection on earth. We are not promised perfection on earth. It's perfection. The promise is perfection in the new heavens and the new earth that we are helping establish through God's kingdom. And I think this next text will actually help us unpack this thought a little bit more as Paul goes on in verse 18 to 24. He says, "'But if you are led by the Spirit, "'you are not under the law.'" We talked about the law last week. "'Now the works of the flesh are evident.'" sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I mean, he has named pretty much everything under the sun here. I warn you, he says, as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." I used to look at this passage as a list of things to do and not to do. And I realized uh, that's actually a really unhealthy way of looking at this passage and it will produce a lot of frustration in you. Now what I see them as is what Paul has them here. They are a list of outcomes. They are outcomes of the life I am choosing to live every single day. When I choose to live a life of the flesh, these are the outcomes I should expect. I should expect sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and if I missed anything, things like these. That is what I should expect. Those are the outcomes of a life of the flesh. Those are the outcomes of choosing to get up every day and not crucify myself to not pick up my cross, but instead to just live by the flesh. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live in unlimited desire and do what I want and not walk by the spirit. Those are the outcomes of that life. You know, another distinction, there's a big difference between temptation and actually committing the act of sin that I, there, what, Paul says here is if we are continually in this sin, then we won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the struggle, the temptation towards sin is completely different. We can be faithful to God and experience temptation every single day. And this is the answer that Paul gives. When I choose to live a life of the spirit, he says, these are the outcomes that I should expect. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things, there are no law. Nobody ever outlaws these things, right? When I walk by the spirit, an outcome of being with God is self-control. I used to not have any self-control when it came to my sexual desires. Now I have self-control. Yes, it's a temptation. Yes, it's a struggle, but God has grown me in my self-control. He has grown me in my faithfulness towards him. When people speak unkindly to me, he has grown me in my patience. He has grown me in my joy when I'm going through tests and trials and I am sitting in a place of depression. I have had the joy of God because he has grown me in that. When I walk by the Spirit, these are things, these are the outcomes of that lifestyle. See, what this does when you think about it this way is it lifts off the weight of self-change. I do not change my desires. The Spirit does that. What I do is stay faithful to spending time with Him. Right, so uh, I used to pray constantly, God, take away this sin, God, take away that sin, God, take away this sin. And I remember that, man, my prayer life was so focused constantly on sin, 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 sin. It was just the thing that, that consumed my mind and my heart. But when I shifted my focus to as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, praise be to your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Right when when I when I think of that prayer, what is the the only thing about sin is God help me not walk into temptation and everybody who sinned against me that I would forgive them, but when you when you think about prayer, when you think about just being with God, when you think about just being with the Spirit, that is what living by the Spirit means. That's what that's what being with God is. That that's. When I think of that as my focus, every day, God, I am going to be with you. This is the habit f- formation that is going to change in my life, that, that when I wake up, I will be with you, that during my day, I will find secret times with you, that before I go to sleep, I will be with you, that throughout the day, I will, I will go through my day prayerfully thanks, with thanksgiving on my lips at all times. When I, when I think of a life that changes, my lifestyle changes, where now every day I am with God, In that world, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit changes my desires. The Spirit puts in me self-control. The Spirit works out. This is fruit of the Spirit. That means that this grows naturally from the life that I live when I live a life by the Spirit. This is not something I have to conjure up. This is not something I have to change about myself. This is not something that I have to do on my own. Instead, it is what? By the Spirit, it happens. When I walk by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul doesn't just say, stop gratifying your desires and here's what all they are. Don't do those things anymore. It's not a list of rules. Paul says, be with the Spirit, live by the Spirit. This is your new lifestyle. This is your new habit formation. This is the new thing that you are walking in. Live by the Spirit. and What will happen? You will experience peace. You will experience joy. You will experience patience. You will experience love. You will experience faithfulness. You will experience self-control. All those other things, all those things of the flesh, all those desires, guess what? Those things will pass away. You will overcome those things. You will struggle. The flesh is against the spirit. Every day, it is war. But every day, the fruit will grow greater and greater as you live and walk by the spirit. So as to close, I want to circle back to this question of practicality. What does it mean to walk by the spirit or live by the spirit? When scripture does lay it out, where in scripture does it lay out Uh, what this way of life should look like. Where where do we find that? Paul, you know, we keep saying walk by the spirit, but what does that mean every day? What does that mean? Where is the blueprint for what our lives should emulate? Well, for that, we have to go back to the gospels. Jesus was the first of the new creation. And in him, we are given what our new humanity should look like. So really, the question is, what did Jesus' life led completely by the Spirit entail? The question becomes: what are the practices of Jesus that kept him in a fully immersed, that kept him fully immersed in the Spirit to live perfectly, never once fulfilling the desires of the flesh? Well, here are some of the ways that Jesus walked by the Spirit. Jesus studied the scriptures and knew them inside and out. Jesus rested regularly. Jesus prayed regularly. Jesus submitted to the Father's will regularly. Jesus fasted. Jesus lived out his life in community. Jesus worshiped or glorified the Father regularly. And Jesus practiced silence and solitude regularly. Church, do you realize we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of Jesus? It was not a mystery to the Galatian church what Paul meant when he said walk by the Spirit or live by the Spirit. They knew they were being invited into the way of Jesus. That's literally what they called the lifestyle, the way. They knew exactly what it meant to walk in the way of Jesus so that the Spirit could empower them to live the life worthy of a gospel, live a life, live out their new life of what Paul has laid out. We shouldn't find it a mystery what God calls us to do. See, calling is less about vocation and more about daily habits. Calling is less about open doors and more about being like Jesus. God is calling us to live like him every single day. In whatever job you have, whatever family you are in, whatever neighborhood you're in, whatever situation you are in, you should never lack understanding of what God is calling you to do or what the calling of God is on your life. The calling is this, live like Jesus. Living like Jesus is walking a life empowered by the Spirit. Over the next nine weeks, we are going to talk about these different practices. We are going to unpack these things that Jesus did in his everyday life that empowered him and is promised to empower us to live a life full of the Spirit that will bear fruit in us. We are not asking for momentary change. We are not seeking momentary change. We are saying, God, we are going to enter into the new life that you invite us into. We will walk away from all the old things and walk into this new lifestyle that you call us into. And we will look at the blueprint of Jesus and say, what did Jesus do? That is what we are going to follow. And so to walk this out together as a church, to really unpack what this means, to take away the mystery of what Paul is inviting us here into, what all the gospel writers invite us into, what Jesus invites us into, we are going to unpack this week by week together. And what we are going to be unpacking is the way of Jesus. And every week on social, what we're going to do is we are going to give you resources to do deeper dives on studies to walk this out practically, whether it's books, whether it's, it's thoughts, it's extra uh, material, whatever it is, we want our church to be able to walk a life that is led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit every single day that we would be able to confidently walk away from all the desires of the flesh because we see the fruit of God coming out little by little by little in our life every single day. Can you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for empowering us to walk by your Spirit, to live this new lifestyle Lord, I pray that as we begin to walk into the way of Jesus and unpack all of the things that Jesus did, that it would take out the mystery of every single one of our callings, what you are inviting us in to do. Lord, that we would be able to live a life of the Spirit empowered by you. Lord, that we would stop the desire for self-change, Lord, for self-motivation, God, that we would stop, Lord, the all the ways that we would have tried to do this on our own, with willpower and thought. But Lord, that we would walk submitted to your spirit. And through that, God, that we would see the beautiful fruit that comes from a life that is dedicated to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.